0: What's up, guys? How's it going? Thanks a lot for tuning in another week. Uh, this week on the podcast, I'm going to be talking about Yakuza 7, Cyberpunk 2077, Star Citizen, Homeworld 3, Battlefront 2, uh, Resident Evil Project Resistance, Wolfenstein, Youngblood, uh, and uh, an old game I thought was kind of underrated. It's a short news week, but I hope that sounds interesting anyway. Probably going to be a slightly shorter episode. Without further ado, let's jump right into it. Hello and welcome to the Nick Rawcliffe Podcast, the official podcast of twitch.tv slash Nick Rawcliffe where we talk about video games, gaming culture, and anything else that piques our interest whilst in us, hopefully, at the very least, provide an entertaining and engaging discussion. Welcome to the conversation, and I hope you enjoy the latest episode of the Nick Rawcliffe Podcast. welcome to episode 131 of the Nick Rourcliffe podcast. It is the 2nd of September 2019. I'm your host, Nick Rourcliffe. As I said on the opener, uh, it's kind of a light news week. There's not a ton of stuff uh, to talk about this week. We are going to jump into it. Uh, So, yeah, without further ado, let's just get right into the news. So the first bit of news i actually want to talk about this week is that yakuza 7 was announced but that's not the news uh and the news is that it's apparently ditched its combat for turn-based sort of jrpg battles now i've actually never played a yakuza but There's a specific reason why I wanted to talk about this and we'll get into that in just a second, but first let's read this article. This is over on Kotaku. Uh, The headline is Yakuza 7 announced ditches action combat for JRPG battles. The first true post-Keru Yakuza game has just been shown off in Tokyo and Yakuza 7 is changing up more than just its location. Set this time in Yokohama, uh, and featuring a new protagonist, Ishiban Kasuga. This game was actually very softly announced in March. This is just a more formal and uh, and informative reveal. The game marks a serious departure for the series with its trademark head-clutching action combat replaced by a more pedestrian turn-based system. Um, the Wall Street Journal's uh, Takashi. Uh, uh Mokasuki, I guess it's how you say it. Mokasuki uh was at the unveiling and, and was able to pass on the reasoning behind the radical gameplay shift. Uh the game is out uh January 16th, blah blah blah. Classic Yakuza uh game format reached one complete style so wanted to try totally different to jump. What? <laughs> Our experts of action game creation made this RPG with their flavor. Hope fans will welcome this change. Um this article says, makes sense. It's absolutely wild. It's a long-running and successful game series completely changing its core gameplay, but it makes sense. While well, the user somehow made it work, Marion lengthy cinematic to the frantic action sequences was never the most elegant fit. It would be fascinating to see how it all works and feels uh, now a much more slower pace. Okay. So the reason I want to talk about this is because I've seen multiple... Yakuza fans, we kind of like disappointed because even though I've never played um, any Yakuza game, I uh, I don't know I can, I think it's kind of crazy for there to be a specific mechanical thing about how a certain franchise works. Uh, that you love for it to just be changed out of nowhere and this is why i wanted to talk about it this idea of like a fundamental change uh, in the way a combat system works in a franchise that you love because regardless of you know any kind of like reasoning behind it where you know obviously it's like a weirdly translated tweet that i read um but it seems that he was basically saying that they feel like they took it as far as they could, and so wanted to try something different. You also never really know whether they're telling the truth when it comes to like publicity and stuff, um, because, uh, I, I, you know, years ago I remember hearing the reasoning uh, behind uh, a lot of turn-based games uh, in Japan being that like it was kind of easier. Uh, for people and, and more approachable So personally, I'm kind of like wondering whether they thought That it would just make it easier or more accessible in some way, but we don't know uh, and I, I, I just think that if I was a huge fan of a franchise for something really specific it'd be super frustrating to just see it change so dramatically, but Yakuza is always in a bit also in a particularly weird spot. Whereas, but because for so long the games are coming out in Japan, uh, you know, more consistently, and in the West, it's got much like less uh, of a following, and they've all these remakes and stuff recently brought over. It's almost like this is gonna this is gonna be like the first you know major sequel big release in this region in so long, and maybe it could be you know awesome for it to get so much exposure and you know maybe finally catch on in a big way. and I think that it not being the combat system that every everybody was like a fan of beforehand could be kind of like detrimental and what this kind of makes me think of is how like i don't know the the, the only i can't think of many games where the combat system has changed like so dramatically but What was kind of interesting in the Resident Evil franchise, which we're going to talk about more about later, is when they made Resident Evil 4, uh, at the time, like, the change to to be kind of like a third-person shooter sort of game, uh, as opposed to the the fixed camera angles and the tank controls and stuff, and the pre-rendered backgrounds. At the time, the change felt like it was the reason it made sense because it was like evolving with the technology it was like a I felt more more of like a modern somewhat newer uh, concept you know there weren't, weren't many games like that at the time and so it, it was sort of revolutionary and so even though even to this day i, I prefer the older games with the fixed camera perspective and the pre-rendered backgrounds are still you know, was able to be excited about it because it seemed like such a revolutionary thing. This, this though, just seems like kind of bizarre in comparison. Like, I can't see, like, any legit reason, you know, other than they just thought it was a good idea. Um, I don't know, so, I don't know. I think this is kind of a, a silly idea. I don't know if any Yakuza fans want to elaborate. But I wanted to bring it up just because I think all of us, even if you not played like <laughs> games in the franchise, just that uh, can like, relate to being kind of annoyed. It's like why they would just at, out of nowhere just change like some that something that was really cool and just do it a completely different way for some unknown reason. It just seems so bizarre to me. Um, next we have some more cyberpunk news feels like almost every week we have cyberpunk news which i'm cool with that uh two articles about cyberpunk the first one uh, is cyberpunk 2077's cut scenes will apparently be first person after the witcher games little see Geralt in third person whether riding horses or relaxing in the tub many were surprised by cyberpunk 2077's first person perspective early footage showed cut scenes in third person though with personalized versions of being various cool jackets uh, that's apparently changed, however. After a German interview, the Night City Life uh, was uh, picked over and CD Projekt read forums uh, with some interesting details about how rooms in The Witcher 3 well, I don't care about The Witcher 3, it's about fucking Cyberpunk, you knobhead. A user approached the official Cyberpunk 2077 Twitter account to ask whether cutscenes would be in first person. In Cyberpunk 2077, immersion is very important to us uh came the reply so yes cut scenes are fpp um now people are asking about sex scenes and they are too if you wanted to know that information uh, in the footage released so far we've seen a third person option for driving as well as moments when v is seen through a security camera uh cyber optics and mirrors but it seems like we won't be able to see or customize v elsewhere So the reason I want to talk about this is because um, I'm on board for the idea of a game being in first person as a way for it to be more immersive. One of the reasons I actually really like first person games is that to me personally, I do feel like it's a more immersive experience. But as a fan of the Deus Ex games, I, I have zero issue with the cut, of the the cutscenes being done in like a traditional sort of movie-like way. And this in no way like spoils the immersion for me. If anything, it like helps sort of build a on-screen relationship with the character. Feels because, you know, you are not the character. <laughs> in real life you are you and we all know that even when you are the most immersed possible and uh the thing you know the cool thing about cutscenes is getting to see a character interact with other characters and get to know his personality and stuff so i don't see why it has to be all in first person um having said that it's always been cool almost like since like the half-life days um when you would have these sort of dialogue scenes not like fully like rendered cut scenes but dialogue scenes where you know characters are talking to you and it kind of does feel like it's talk they're talking to you personally because it's all in first person so i think there's there is some like cool immersive things you could get out of it all being in first person but I I believe Cyberpunk honestly is looking so good in my opinion Uh, it's so much what I'm looking for and I believe in CD Projekt Red's ability um, that I'm kind of hoping that the game can still feel mega cinematic uh, when it comes to the cutscenes and stuff if it's just going to stay in first person because I would hate for it to feel like everything is less cinematic and have less impact just because they want to maintain immersion. Uh, because whilst I respect this idea and I enjoy immersion, so many things happen when you're playing a game to break it anyway. Your phone goes off or there's someone at the door or you need to go to the bathroom. It's like it's not. there's no such thing as like a seamless Immersive experience in, in video games except for VR and that's like an appeal of VR actually But yeah, I don't know I just hope this decision doesn't actually hurt the way the story is told As the sort of main thing in fact Whilst we're on this topic last week when we we're talking about Cyberpoint, we we're discussing the decision uh, Where they removed choosing male or female on the character creator screen? I'm glad I'd remembered, I remembered because when I saw images afterwards i felt like i wanted to redo that topic and one of the things i was trying to like figure out in my head while discussing that was like if gender isn't an binary option in the menu like does that mean that it's definitely not gonna have um like narrative consequences like it does that mean that like they're definitely not gonna interact differently depending on your gender in the game and is that something that they like took out and change just to be politically correct? Which is not even politically correct. I'm not talking about gender, it's just super crazy far left socialists that care about that stuff. Um, but the reason I want I'm bringing this up again is that I saw an actual screenshot of how it works. Because what they have actually done, I should actually say what they've done. Instead of choosing like male or female. They've said they're going to be able to select your body type, and you're basically going to be able to create sort of like gender fluid-looking characters and sounding characters and mismatch things to be more, you know, you know, approachable for trans people or something. But I saw an image of how it actually works in game in a screenshot, and you do just choose male or female. And what I mean by that is. There's a section of the character creator that just says body type, and it's very clearly a picture of a of a, a man and a picture of a woman. So that, so it seems that the the way they've changed it is is in wording alone, and you know some slight little tweaks where yeah you know you'll be able to have like the guy voice with the girl looking character, and so you know the people that want this kind of thing can have the create character be whatever they want, but in terms of my concern with how it will function in the back end of like, well, then how does the game recognize that you're male or female? And, and how does that affect how the characters sort of interact with each other? Um, I don't know. Like it, it basically, um, it just is male or female. It's just you just selecting a picture. They just change the text. So it functions It functions exactly how you'd expect Um Do you know what guys Uh st- Streaming on just chatting is so toxic. I'm gonna put it in sub only mode before we actually get attacked by trolls so if you're a VIP or a mod or a sub, you'll be able to talk in chat. Well, no one else will, it's just too distracting to deal with it all the time. Um, but if you're just tuning in to watch the show, thanks a lot, I appreciate it. All right, here's the next Cyberpunk 2077 bit of news. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 producer says. Peacemongers probably won't finish the game. As an RPG, Cyberpunk 2077 is very much about presenting players with choice, whether it's how they build up their character's skills, or how their actions will affect the story. At the same time, it's also a first-person shooter, so you'll, in all likelihood, be firing a few guns during your playthrough. Will you really be able to lay down arms and get through the game as a pacifist? It's telling that the presentation I saw, while showing a couple of variations on how you can go about the same mission, nonetheless always involves you getting bloody in some way. It should first of all be said that a press demo is a press demo. It's perhaps easier to showcase the game's violent delights and excellent looking combat, not least because the game's audience's tolerance for ultraviolence is so high. Oh, right, okay. Is that why? That's interesting. Uh, I thought it was just because it makes for a better game. Silly me. Uh, So when I had the chance to sit down with Cyberpunk 2077 producer Richard uh, Bozemowski, I wanted to know whether there were genuinely other ways things could play out uh, without being, for want of a better word, boring. Oh, this guy's a cunt. I'm sorry, you're a fucking cunt, the guy who wrote this article. S- seriously, mate. Uh, there are different ways for a player to try to finish a mission non-lethally. We don't have a boring path, says Uh, uh I knew it wasn't quite the right word, but having just seen an, an enemy dispatch through the hacking of their weightlifting machine, a uniquely goring take on, do you even lift? Okay, great. So, it's funny as well, as you know. It, yeah. it will take an especially puritanical player to forego such delights in favor of working everything out like adults. Style over suspense is a model from the original Cyberpunk pen and paper RPG and style goes beyond appearance here in reference to how playstyles could be customized. This is supposed to be a cool game so you can do cool things with shooter mechanics, says Bozomowski. Bozomowski, we'll get his name right maybe once. Uh, So for example, as you're developing your character's weapon skills, the animations that you're having while reloading the goal will change. At the beginning, you're pretty clunky because you're a new mercenary on the street, but over time, you look more professional, slicker, your progress will affect your reloading speed, precision, recoil, and other things. I like that it affects your reloading speed, like you're actually getting better at doing it. That's kind of cool. Uh, but what if you don't want to be that trick-trigger-happy cyberpunk? Uh, how can the game make it just as satisfying to stealth around or talk your way out of trouble. It's a complex answer, says Bozomowski. You might be able to sneak your way around and get past certain scenarios, but if you do get noticed after some point and still don't want to kill anybody because you're playing a character that just by definition doesn't kill a lot of people, then you can leave them on the ground so they're still alive, but are wounded enough not to interfere with you. Uh, The Batman solution, so basically, uh be able to get through the whole game without killing anyone but being non-lethal uh is a very far uh away concept from being non-violent uh this was one of the big issues players players had of Deus sex human revolution which would allow players to completely spec into stealth and throw up a forced boss encounter that relied on combat mechanics uh, at best, it might mean you defeat a boss by uh, pumping them with lead, but are still able to spare them by not delivering the final shot. Trying to get through the game as a passive fist hacker, however, sounds pretty much impossible. Uh, Bozomowski is candid about it. Oh, you probably wouldn't finish the campaign. Uh, I'm more curious uh, about... Uh, what? I'm more curious about than bothered by this aspect of 2077. Looking for non-combat outcomes uh, in, ev- uh, in everything this world can throw up. Would rather rub against the subterranean menace of the setting, and in some senses, is a, uh, a contrivance itself. <laughs> okay, uh, Cyberpunk is a violent universe. We don't really shy away from that, says Bozomowski. The main quest can branch into many paths and choices are connected. The thing we've done in The Witcher, which we want to do in cyber 2077, is that when we are presenting choices to the player, we want them to be meaningful choices. And a meaningful choice is a choice that has causes and effects. Sometimes this effect might even mean a player won't see every element that the game has to offer. In other words, a- avoiding a violent confrontation results in skipping a fight, which means you're missing out on that content. Of Yeah, of course. Look, the game, is it, how crazy is it? The guy that makes the games knows what he's talking about. Of course he does. On the flip side, by sparing your character, you're probably gone and pissed off another group who'll be hostile about it when you next meeting. I'm sure that won't put off players determined to sneak around Night City and find a path to let no one come to harm, but you're going to have to bash in somebody's head and pick off murderous gang members. It's also hardly a response that will bring a dissonant effect. This is the world of cyberpunk envisioned by Mark Ponsmith says Bozakowski. It's not a nice world. Corporations are exploiting people using any means necessary, and that includes violence but we are still just storytellers putting you into this living, breathing world. What you make of it is in your hands. So, basically, uh, there's this idea uh, in certain kinds of games of, you know, not being able to of of being able to beat the game without actually killing anyone. You know, this has always been kind of a thing in, like, stealth games and, you know, all these kind of, like, first-person uh, sort of story games, the Deus Ex and stuff like that. But more and more, uh, social justice warriors, uh, in particular, are starting to, like, almost, like, demand a way to be able to not have to cause any violence in a game and the news here is that that's not possible uh because the game's not boring (laughs) but i thought it was kind of interesting that you know what the guy who works at cd project is saying though is that yeah there's like a lot of stuff you'll be able to do without killing everyone but ultimately you're gonna get in some trouble at some point there's gonna require you to do some violence to get out which to me sounds fine and i don't get why the idea of wanting games that don't have violence in is fine to me but the idea of of like (laughs) being like call coy and acting like you're kind of like mentally disabled in some way, sitting down with someone who you you've seen the product have been working on for all this time, all this promotional material, and being, being like, oh, this you can you can't just not hurt people. Oh, I'm so upset and offended. Are you like, are you fucking mental or what? Like, you only need to see a logo of Cyberpunk to know there's gonna be violence. It's just trying to fit a square peg in a round hole, this idea of you know, if people don't want games to be want games that aren't violent, that's way different than just expecting every game to have an option. And and the other thing that's super fucked up about the kind of people going around that are like that, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this all, online or on Twitter or something, but I've literally seen people almost, like, sigh on Twitter, like, complain that, like, oh, another game about shooting people. You know, like, and what's so crazy is these aren't, like, far-right puritanical Christians that they used to be years ago. They're far-left crazy socialist people. And in oftentimes, or even developers and people that work in the industry, and they're like expressing that it, they think it's kind of like lame, that it's another game where you're killing stuff. But here's the thing, they only ever like have this complaint when it comes to shooting people. Like the same people, like love all the Nintendo stuff or like any game, like there's no, I've never seen any complaints along this lines for like the witcher as soon as it becomes like super nerdy fantasy time where you're slicing things in swords which i love too but they, they like don't even call out that that's violence and so it's really just someone who's so politicized around the topic of gun violence that they take it so far as to like even games with guns are evil in in the same breath as like cutting someone's head off with a sword in in, in a different game but anyway let's move on from crazy people's thoughts uh, another bit of news that i saw uh star citizen single player beta release date has been pushed back uh the star studied squadron 42 get swept up and staggered development those hoping to pal around in space with virtual facsimiles uh, facsimiles of mark hamill and gillian anderson uh, will have to hold off uh, an extra three months of star citizen single player campaign squadron 42 falls foul of a scheduling reshuffle over at cloud imperium games as announced in a developing blog post yesterday this is actually from a couple of weeks ago they were previously aiming wait no this is from two days ago they were previously uh aiming for a release in early summer now squadron flight 2's public beta should be rolling out anytime between J- july and september next year the delay comes as part of the studio's transition to a staggered development style with roughly half of their manpower dedicated to working on the next quarterly update while the other half of the studio lays the groundwork for the one after uh, the reason i wanted to talk about it is because it's so crazy how long star citizen has been around and ultimately never ever become the thing that people were so blown away by when it was originally announced and i just think it's crazy that all of these years on we are still waiting on things like single player story and, you know, this is one of the things that sounded the most cool uh, about Star Citizen. is this idea of being like an awesome space, sim, but it also has this story mode. And then that changed to a whole separate game or whatever and all this bullshit. I just think it's mental that we're so far on and so many millions and millions, uh, you know, spent by the players and investors in the game. And I uh, was still getting delays in story. Now, I've never played this game, but I've always wanted to. And it just has never seemed finished. Never. Never even seen like a whole product. Not once, really. And it's kind of shit because I. What? When they show stuff, I'm fucking sold on it. I want it so bad. And at some point, I probably will buy and play Star Citizen and love it, but. It's still mental to me that they're still working on stuff that's literally been waiting for so long. And that's not the crazy thing. The crazy thing is they're still taking so many people's money in the process. It's crazy. Um, I was going to read an article about Homeworld 3 being announced, but honestly, I don't really have much to say about it. But Homeworld 3 was announced, so there you go. Here's an article that I think is kind of interesting. DICE thinks it's managed uh, to turn things around in Star Wars Battlefront 2. Battlefront 2 developer says the community is happier than it's ever been. Nearly two years after one of the roughest launches in recent years, DICE says it's turned things around. After struggling through one of the most famously catastrophic launches in years, it sounds like Star Wars Battlefront 2 is turning things around. Associate design director Dennis Branvall told Games Industry that it hit rock bottom in terms of player sentiment thanks to the fiora caused by the game's aggressive loot box implementation, but nearly two years later, the community is happier than it's ever been. We really needed to take a step back and do some house cleaning. Not completely dissimilar to Rainbow Six Siege, Bronvall uh, said. They didn't launch the way they wanted, but now it's doing well. And I think we're on a similar trajectory. Uh, Brownfall said EA is putting out more content for Battlefront 2 now than it did during the game's first year of release. The community is happier now, and as a result, so is the development team. Now it's a lot of fun. He said it wasn't that much fun in spring of 2018. That wasn't the best time at DICE, that's for sure. Interestingly, EA's approach to Battlefront 2 has been fundamentally different from his predecessor right from the beginning. Brownfall explained that the developers a new Battlefront 1 was going to be one year of DLC and a season pass. So that's how they approached it. But for Battlefront 2, we challenged ourselves to undertake big overhauls of systems that aren't doing as well as we hoped because this is it. This is the game we're going to be working on. Uh, that's when it feels like more incremental. Uh, There's client patches every month, new features added, whereas in Battlefront 1, we're patching it every quarter with a big DLC, and it was mostly for paid users anyway. Yeah, there were some bug fixes, but it was mostly for paid users. Now it's always for everyone, he said. The team enjoys working on it a lot more because you feel like you're building up a community. It feels a lot more personal and it's just a better game. It's more about improving the game rather than always providing value to the customer, which I think is the approach with a season pass. DICE recently unveiled the Battlefront Two development roadmap for the remainder of 2019, which will see the addition of a new map contextual spawning, the ability to spawn on controlled command points a new four-player co-op mode and in December, content inspired by the upcoming film Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, which will include a new planet and reinforcements. Details will be revealed uh, when the new content is closer to release. I think it's kind of interesting when I first uh, saw this article and wanted to talk about it. This is from a week ago. I I was thinking that (laughs) They can't possibly really have turned things around. But the more I think about it, like what's crazy is with games like this, the budget is so high and so many man hours and so, so much money, so much investment uh, goes into these things that really, even if it's terribly received like this game was, They probably cost EA so much money to make that they had almost no option but to try and make it viable. And I'm sure they still made some money out of this game in the beginning just from people buying it just because it's Star Wars and more casual people that don't read uh, all the articles and blog posts or whatever. But no doubt this is a huge challenge and you know, even though there are problems with the sort of games as a service model, it is kind of interesting that it's hypothetically possible for a developer to sort of get a game on track so long after release these days. And I think Siege was kind of an interesting, you know, example of this. However, there is just no way Battlefront 2 Uh, can ever really be exactly the same case. Because I think from the beginning, Siege was like a very serious uh, sort of competitive orientated shooter and also it has like a history in in like tactical sort of shooter you know, history, it being a Rainbow Six game. You know, Battlefront was always fun, but I mean it I don't know if it was really ever anyone's, like, main game, kind of. But I don't really believe that the game can be amazing after all this time. But uh, I know some people that like Battlefront 2, and if it really is getting better, then that's a good thing. I think the best thing to come out of that whole thing is hopefully next time EA, you know, release a major game like this, it's not as much sort of a shit show, the microtransactions. All right, so for the next topic, I'm gonna talk about these leaked images of Project Resistance, the uh, Resident Evil game we spoke about last week. Uh, Gonna read from an article here on Jewel Shockers Capcom announced project resistance a new game in the long-running Resident Evil series that will be formally revealed on September 9th ahead of that date though Some of the game's first screenshots have now seemingly leaked giving us an idea of what the game could be as found through a YouTube thumbnail preview site the images of project resistance feature a variety of characters specifically ones we haven't seen in the Resident Evil series before. In total, we see four characters, two of whom are male and the other two are female. Some additional pictures then show some of these characters wielding weapons like shotguns and pistols. Judging by these images, Project Resistance looked like it could be some sort of multiplayer game, specifically one that might feature four-player co-op based on the number of characters that we're seeing. This wouldn't be the Resident Evil series' first attempt at multiplayer either. Perhaps the most notable entry in the series to incorporate multiplayer would be Resident Evil Outbreak, which released all the way back in 2004. Outbreak saw you playing as different citizens within Raccoon City as the T virus initially began the sp- to spread. While we didn't know what Project Resistance will be just yet, these leaked images have a similar vibe and seem to feature more everyday citizens. Maybe the new game will be a sequel of Swords Resident Evil Outbreak. Regardless of what the game ends up becoming, we'll find out more for certain in about 10 days. Project persistence is set to come out on PS4, Xbox One, and PC when it releases. All right, here are the leaked images. Um. This is probably the main one. I'll show this one on screen. Um, It's probably the main one to talk about because it actually shows all the characters in one. Um, So we don't really know what this game is yet. Uh, And uh, I honestly don't know what to think yet. But, you know, the idea of this being some kind of, like, new outbreak... uh, I don't know. I have mixed feelings when it comes to Resident Evil games because, on one hand, I wish they would stop trying to do spin-offs because the more games people sort of don't respect and view as kind of like just as a joke and a throwaway game, uh, the more games like that in the franchise that you make, the more it kind of like stains the reputation of what is one of the greatest franchises in video game history, without question. I am a huge as evil fan, but without question. That is the case. I mean, it's one of the highest-valued franchises, monetarily speaking, because of the movies and stuff. So, *Resident the evil's a big deal? <sighs> Having said that, like, if they can do something different and interesting uh, and, and and have that separate from you know the main story games so that we still get those kind of games then i know if it's uh, with anything basically if it's good it's good <laughs> but anyway as someone uh who's played every resident evil game pretty much I, and i actually own the outbreak games uh looking at these images my first impressions if hypothetically it was outbreak like uh in those games when you select the characters they all kind of have almost like signature weapons like you know they, they all like start with different weapons basically it's almost like part of each character's style is a different weapons kind of and so looking like it kind of like i'm getting that sort of vibe looking at it Um. I I actually don't like the look of uh, any of these characters. I, uh, they look very exaggerated, um, and and, and annoying And sort of uh, workshops. I don't I, I don't know. I I don't I actually it it's too little to for, to go on for me to get super deep into it, but i I don't i think like this guy looks like a douche or well, like maybe it you know maybe that it's like in a funny way in the game, but already that's like a red flag you know this lady like just seems a bit try hardy to make a character like this, if you know what I mean uh it just seems like that when i get this image of all four here it seems almost like trying too hard to make to to like fit into the stereotype this reminds me of like dead by daylight where it's like you've got the jock you know you've got the goth you got the nerd and uh just basically this guy is like looks like the normal dude i guess in the background like I don't like how stereotypical that is. And uh, honestly, how much of a caricature and how stereotypical the characters are looking so far really does make me think that it's, you know, some kind of like multiplayer game, maybe like Resident Evil attempt at like a Dead by Daylight type thing. Um yeah i don't really know the thing is i don't like the look of these screenshots and i don't like the face of the idea of them trying to do another outbreak style game but we have so little information that it's very difficult for me to say i'm definitely not on board i'm definitely on board just based on this alone because i'm a huge resident evil fan i could definitely be sold on this idea and Get super excited for this game under the right circumstances, depending on how good it looks. Uh, but right now, it's just not enough to go on. But that's my opinion of it so far. Um, with that, it's officially time to wrap up the show. If you enjoyed this episode of the show, please do rate reviewers on iTunes and don't forget to tell your friends. What the fuck is going on there? This episode of the podcast was brought to you with the support of my patrons over on patreon.com slash Nick Rawcliffe. Uh I wanna give a huge shout out to uh Bagatel, Evan, uh Mr. Fogel Lady, Natasha, Cy Flander, and Overlord. Thanks so much for your support, guys. I really appreciate it. I've been Nick This has been the Nick Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Until next time, stay impartial.